0: When our son Blaine was little, he loved to come up to me and say, Dad, close your eyes. I want to take you and show you something. Now the point of this exercise was never that he really wanted to take me and show me something new. He simply wanted me to close my eyes and enjoy walking around with me, bumping me into things. And I would pretend I would play into this. I would run away acorns. I would play uh, with this, pretending that I would uh, hit doors and walk into walls and uh, I would trip and bump into all sorts of things. Blaine enjoyed this thoroughly, and in the midst of Blaine's laughter, as I uh, found myself uh, being led astray, I often thought to myself, this is the challenge that we all face in life. Too often in our lives, we fail to envision where we're called to go. We bounce around making decisions in the moment, not really listening to the guidance that we're given, and not knowing really where we want to go. We usually end up someplace else. The scriptures, the Bible is full of uh, suggestions for us about this. This is why the author of Proverbs said, without vision, the people perish. Now, in the scriptures, when we hear that word, vision, it doesn't mean physical sight, or this vision doesn't mean even our personal ability to have insight into our future. It means specifically God's vision. Without God's vision, people perish. People are in trouble. People miss out on the fullness of life that's possible for them. But as Isaiah wrote, for those who wait for the Lord, some translations say for those who hope for the Lord, for those who wait for the Lord, who wait for uh, where God would guide them, where God would lead them, it's a different story. When we exchange our plans, our visions, for God's plans, God's vision, we hear that God shall renew our strength, we will mount up with wings like eagles, we will... Uh, run and not be weary, we shall walk and not be faint, that seems pretty good. Especially in those weary filled times of life that we find ourselves in. Think of the weariness those folks must be feeling up in Lawrence and Andover and North Andover after the gas explosion. Think of the weariness of the folks in the Carolinas who are suffering from rising water. Think of your everyday weariness in the midst of challenges and struggles and uncertainties that we face. We can't rely always in the midst of the difficulties of our lives on what we just think feels good and feels Right. Someone said one half of our problems come from wanting our own way and the other half of our problems come from getting our own way. The focus here is our own way and not God's way for our lives. So the question I put before you this morning is, what is God's vision for your life? What is God's vision For our church, I hope that these two questions are something that you think about often in your journey. We are asked continually to rethink our own personal point of view. As we heard Paul write in his letter to the Romans, we're called not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might discern what is the will of God. What is the vision of God for our lives? And this is not an easy process. Uh, We like to keep on that hard shell. Uh, We don't like to change. People fear change. People feel transformation. You think of the acorns I showed the kids this morning. We develop a nice hard shell that keeps us at times from being rooted And what should we be rooted in so that we can feel the light and the nourishment of God and grow in the ways we're called to grow? It's hard to change. I remember reading once a letter written to President Andrew Jackson in 1829 from the governor of New York who was very concerned about something. He was concerned about how the canal system of this country was being threatened by the spread of a new form of transportation, the railroad. He said the federal government must preserve the canals because of the serious unemployment that would develop among captains and cooks and lock tenders and the farmers that were growing the hay uh, that the horses were using along the canal, because of how boat builders would suffer, how tow line and, and whip and harness makers would be left destitute because of how canal boats, in his mind, were important for the defense of the United States. He ended his letter with these words. As you well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles an hour by engines which, in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting fire to the crops, scaring livestock and frightening women and children. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speed. Change is hard. Of course, in the late 1800s, the railroad came and became one of the most dominant force, both financially and politically, in the country. And then, of course, cars came very soon after the railroads came and of course the leaders of the railroad industry did not take advantage of the unique position that they found themselves in to participate in this new development in the transportation industry they saw themselves in the train business they didn't see themselves in the transportation business and this is why they became that textbook example that tom peters wrote about long ago in the search for excellence uh, the textbook example of how companies fail to recognize fundamentally what business they are in. The railroads couldn't see that their ultimate goal shouldn't be the preservation of a particular system of transportation, but instead to try to provide effective transportation itself. So we need to ask ourselves as individuals. As individual Christians, as children of God, we need to ask ourselves as a church what business are we in? And how does this reason for being, how does this purpose for our existence lead us to have a sense of clarity for God's call? for God's vision for our lives, both as individuals and as a church. You know, in a way, in some ways, when we gather for these tables of eight that we'll be gathering for at the end of September, certainly an important part of that is getting together, getting to know each other. But another important part of that is to think together about our vision for our church. Not our vision, but what's God's vision for our church. Henry Nowen once wrote that the greatest temptation of our lives is to deny our role as a chosen people and so allow ourselves to be trapped in the worries of the, our daily lives. To deny our role as a chosen people and so allow ourselves to be trapped in the worries of our daily lives. To al- deny ourselves that vision that God calls for us as individuals because we're so busy about unimportant things. It's so easy to be busy doing things that we forget about what we should be busy about. To become so focused on the daily worries of our lives that we miss God's vision for our lives. And that's true during crisis situations, not only with rising waters or flames, But that's true when we go through our individual crises in our lives. Are we remembering in the midst of the most difficult times of our lives and the most struggling times of our lives what God's vision is for our life? To be transformed, to be renewed, so that we can discern the will of God. Are we open to transformation? Or have we built such a shell around us that we're not allowing our roots, that foundation that we need to be strong enough so that we can grow in new light, feel nourished by the love and the grace of God? And and this sort of job before us, which is an awesome job, this is not an easy task, this is not a one-time thing. It takes our continual focus. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment. You know, we like to be able to say, Ah, I've got it. I'm there. Instant gratification. We as a nation especially have a hard time not believing everything we want can be just turned magically uh, right for us. I remember... uh, hearing a comic once, a, a, comic, a Russian comic. I think his name was Yakov Shmirnov. He had this story he told once about coming to the country and going shopping and about how he, when he went shopping into the grocery store, he was amazed at the number of instant products that were around. He, he'd uh, go down the, 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 the aisles of the store and he'd see uh, powdered milk. Just add water and you get milk. Then the next aisle he, he powdered orange juice. Just add water and you get orange juice. Then he went to the next aisle and he saw baby powder and he said, What a country. We would like to just but anyone who has a baby can tell you, you don't just add water to get a baby. We like to have things happen quickly in our lives, but it is a journey in some ways, a continuous birthing journey that we're on, just like those acorns that many aren't able to make. Because it's tempting to just let that shell give us peace, to believe that shell we've created around us will give us peace, to think we're safe. And then, like some of these acorns I picked up, myself, that didn't make it rooted in the ground, that wasn't available to the sun and the light, those acorns, despite the safety that seed might feel in that shell, they begin to decay. They begin to not become that vision that God has for them. The same works for us when we try to protect ourselves by trying to make it on our own, with our own visions, instead of seeing God's vision for our lives, and what that means for us, to remember what our business is as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are on a journey together to search for that vision. We're appealed by Paul and throughout the Scriptures, as Paul wrote to the Romans, to present all of who we are as a living sacrifice. That means to give up to let go of that shell that we've created, that is, we pretend is our identity, to give that up and to be recreated holy and acceptably before God as we turn ourselves open to God's will for our lives and for our church. And this isn't an easy task, but it is a task that we need to be about as people of faith, as followers of Christ and as a body of Christ that is the church today. It is our call to dream dreams. It is our responsibility to see visions of where God is calling us, to set before us a vision that will guide us, that will empower us, that will unite us as a family of God so we can model for the world a group of different people who can be united, even perhaps with different opinions about life but united in a grounded purpose, in a sharing of the love of God and the hope of Christ. As disciples together with a common purpose, I look forward to this journey, that when I look forward to this process and to what God has in store for you as individuals, what God has in store for me, as a child of God, and then what God has in store for us as a people of God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you this morning and every morning wrapped up with those concerns of our lives, trying to protect ourselves so closely for those ways that we've defined ourselves, whatever that might mean. But God, you have new ideas. You have a vision. You have a calling. Open ourselves up to the possibilities you place before us with hearts and eyes and ears wide open Give us strength for that journey of discovery and exploration that we're all on. Remind us that it is not filled with easy answers or instant gratification, but is a journey of fulfillment and fullness and wholeness and holiness. As we place ourselves in your hands to walk the path that you would place before us. We thank you that we have one another's uh, support on this journey as we share in this ministry together and for the possibilities you place before us as a church. Allow us on this day and every day to go forward boldly, forward through the ages, knowing we have this gift of your grace and love with us, that we are never alone. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. And now let's sing together in page 2175 of the Faith We Sing hymnal, Together We Serve. Please stand in body or in spirit.